It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. On 2-22-22, two of the best heavyweights are going to fight to see who's number one, and the three of us are going to talk about it. Hey, like my dad jokes, this is the <laughs> resume review of Francis Ngannou, who we're really here to talk about. That is Brian Campbell, my co-host, of course, at uh, Morning Combat, CBS Sports. He's a Showtime commentator. Don't forget that either. It's the honorary brother, the man in the hat, Chuck Mindenhall, is here. Hi, Chuck. How are you? Good, good. Chuck, but, uh, one word to describe our new set while I'm going to sit here and gloat. Awesome. Okay, thank you. Yeah, that's right. Uh, that's a good we word. We needed an expert <laughs> on Predators, so that's why really we brought cool. in This Chuck. is really cool. That's right. Oh, we really needed good. an expert on Predators. We yeah. have him here. So we're here to discuss Francis Ngannou as BC. This is technically a title unification. Do you care about the unification aspect at all? You know, it, it, it makes the marquee look shinier, but we all know the real deal of why it's there, just because Francis couldn't fight a month earlier in UFC play and business hijinks behind the scenes. But obviously what's lingering over this fight is it's a great fight. Cyril Gans, the unbeaten interim champion, can he make that leap? But also, uh, this could be Francis's last UFC fight, for all we know, right. based on his current contract situation, which, win or lose, that could play a part in which direction he goes. So it's an interesting time for Francis, who's really figuring out right now from that title-winning bout last year against Stipe Miocic in the rematch how great he can be. We're going to look back at the build, the rise, to get to that point. Um, before we get into anything specific, though, you may have heard, Chuck, you may have been briefed. Oh, God, are you doing an awards thing and you want him to react to it? Oh, no. no. What, okay, uh, all right. Let's hear it. There's something called the uh, resume review curse. Oh, yeah. oh that, yes, that may or have, may not be broken. Which, by the way, it was it's not real. And if it was so, real, just it was to, just to keep you updated, Can, Canelo Alvarez <laughs> broke the curse. Okay, but people say no, That's no, no, boxing. not bra. This is yes, MMA only. Eight and zero with I believe it's eight and zero with seven stoppage wins. The curse yeah. right now. Do you put any stock that we could somehow cosmically be altering the outcome of UFC 2? Of course I do, man. I live in superstition. I think that if that's the, if that's what the record says, that's what it is. You know, I did not know about this curse until just last people, night. People, people take it very seriously. Yeah, <laughs> they take it very seriously. So uh, I hope, for Francis's sake, that we're not putting a curse on. We probably well, I don't think we are putting a curse. Well, on someone probably needs not to get helping. cursed by it. So even if Francis wins, you could be the one. Just okay. Be <laughs> okay. I'll Before we get started with the actual. Look at Francis's resume. Chuck, you're here. Let me ask you very quickly. You have covered every, we've all covered every single yeah. fight, at least from the UFC on, of Francis's career. What can we say about it to this point? Well, I mean, to me, he's the kind of quintessential heavyweight, right? Like, you look at him, he screams heavyweight. I think he's one of those guys, boxing has had these guys over the years. The UFC has not had a, a guy like that other than maybe Brock Lesnar back in his day, where it's just a specimen to behold. The first time I ever saw him, actually, was in his first UFC fight in Orlando. 
no idea what he looked like. He was on an elevator, and I thought he was a football player or something attending the fight. Like, he was huge. Mm. I didn't even think he was a 265er because he looked that big. And then when I realized that this is the new guy who they were calling Francis um, Gano yes. <laughs> at the time. As it in was, the uh, Gano nipples that yes. Adesanya used to have, apparently. <laughs> I've, I've been told. I don't know. Yeah. So, like, you know. But getting the first look at him, it You're was just unbelievable. I, it's so quick, right? It's so it's in the moment. Quick, right? is, quick <laughs> is not the word I was thinking of. But no, but you yes. make a good point. If yes. somebody's going to be the baddest man on the planet, yeah. he looks the part. To your point, he makes he makes his debut in 2015 of December, actually 2015 against Luis Henrique BC. And to the, the the point you're raising here, one of the things I noticed immediately in this fight, we had never seen Francis before, unless you were, of course, part of the French mm -hmm. MMA scene. So this is our our first look at him. And I just noticed his opponent, Luis Henrique, was big, but a guy like Francis was cut. He right. was muscular. He doesn't look, to your point, Brock Lesnar, a difference player. But we're used to the Tai Tuivasas, mm -hmm. the Mark Hunts, the Derek Lewis's. And God bless him, we love him, BC. But Francis looks different. He's built like a brick shithouse. He looks like an action <laughs> hero or villain, depending on your side. And even Joe Rogan, you know, in the buildup to this fight, is just freaking out. Like, yeah. this is a huge man. And Dominic Cruz, during the prep point area, going... You know, that 83-inch reach, his arms go below his knees while standing still. He can scratch him. You know, obviously, this is one of those guys where you see him, like, damn, I hope he can fight. You Without know, bending uh, over. Dana White's <laughs> famous comments on, on Conor McGregor after hearing him talk. Damn, I hope he can. Yeah, yeah, he can fight. I was taken aback in this first fight. And by the way, he's uh, they're both making their UFC debut, him and Henrique. Francis is 5-1 and one coming in. Had suffered a loss early, early in his career. But he's way more poised and patient in this fight. And really, his entire UFC run, then I think sometimes your brain allows you to remember. He's never really been reckless, go out there and try to finish you. It's more well, on counter strikes. Well, I disagree with that a little but bit, it's but more in this on, fight, in this it's fight. Yeah. And really, in a lot of these early fights, it's more about counter strikes and reacting to what the opponent does to him. So he was much more of a finished project, and this is a, re a repeating theme, Chuck, in this, when we do this, because sometimes narratives change, you know, mm -hmm. we, we, we reinterpret things wrong. I think he was a lot closer to being freaking great than I remembered early on. What did, what did you remember about his UFC debut? I thought he was just really susceptible to takedowns because in that hmm. very first fight, he was taken down. In fact, if the referee for that first fight wasn't like uh, a little bit short-triggered on standing them up, he may have stayed there for the whole first round hmm. and then in the second round. So looking back on I just rem I do remember the fight because he was a specimen of a hold, but I do remember him getting taken down. And then in the second fight, also the same thing. So I thought that that would be the recurring theme Early on in his career, and obviously he's got that somewhat correct. There's a, there's a moment, uh, I, this is why I should listen to the fights on mute. It's Henrique. Yeah, I listen to the fights yeah. on mute. That's, why, that's the problem there. <laughs> you get the names smart way to go, though. Ultimately. So in the interest of correction, Henrique, I listened to the fight on mute for, to rewatch for the fight today or the, the show today. There is a moment there where he gets hit with a punch right before it's over, and you can see his eyes like go like this. At the same time, they begin to do the wishy-washy bit. So he had this moment where he was hurt from the punch, but also not so hurt that he couldn't process, oh my God, <laughs> this guy Terrifying. hits with volcanic power. So I think it's power. before that. Did you see the the leg kick that Francis opened his offense with? He just mm. came out with a typical outside Hard leg strike. Leg and I thought I, I saw the oh shit from Henrique in that same moment. Like, what the F is this guy made of? Like, holy crap. So his reach, by the way, was a nine-inch advantage over yeah, this guy coming in. And you can see that in there. I mean, if you're and you, you got a guy that that's quick, powerful, and patient with that natural built-in reach. I feel like again, like we should have saw some of in, this. In rewatching that, coming. you see him come out. You see Henry come out with his glasses on, and he's smiling. And you're thinking, this guy has no idea. He has like, no fucking from idea. The, from, the, from this perch of six years later, or whatever it is, you <laughs> yeah. look back. You're like, this guy just has no idea. I don't know what tape he was watching or yeah. what he was expecting, but I don't think he's in the UFC anymore either. No, um, no, he he had gone two and three after this 
even though moved on to light heavyweight, but lost to Ryan Spann, and then he was gone. So I wish we had a picture. Do you remember the scene where it's where I'm Francis, you're Rogan, and you're uh, Ferdinand Lopez, and he's trying to uh, translate? And dude, motherfucking Francis is towering over <laughs> Rogan. He's like up to here. I mean, on to be him. fair though, we would we would too. <laughs> So I've been behind Francis. Francis' thing is a He's little a bit taller than me. He's certainly much, much more muscular and bigger. He just has a giant frame. But it was weird watching him. Like, I think with one hand, he could have just swallowed Joe and picked him up like that. He's a giant man. Okay, we move on to what? Well, he, he knocks him out with a, a perfect uppercut. left hook, uppercut counter. And it's a, it's a holy shit, this guy can crack. But I say, in hindsight, maybe we should have seen some more of the potential. I remember watching this fight yeah. live. I don't remember going, oh shit, yeah. we have a new title. The problem is, it was the, the first problem fight is... of the night, by the way. Oh, Just it? like Derek Lewis in Orlando, both guys de debuted on the very first fight, uh, like a fight night, yeah. And but also, yeah. what you saw in this, you could later pick out and be like, oh right, he could do this with it. But if you just see this fight, yes, Francis does look different, physically looks different. But it doesn't look all that different as a fight from what you normally see among heavyweights. To be fair, there's a lot of shitty heavyweights at this lower card level. Hundred percent in the UFC. So it was a fight. It was a great debut, actually, yeah. but it didn't it didn't necessarily foretell all that we saw. So we jump now to 2016. That was his only UFC fight. Of course, it took place in December of that year. So we're now in April now of the new year in 2016, and he takes on Curtis Blades. Mm. Curtis Blades, a great wrestler out of Elevation Fight Team out in Denver, Colorado. This was on the Rothwell versus Dos Santos card. Also, I want to point out, for a guy like Francis, his first fight in the UFC is in Orlando. His second one is in Zagreb. Early on, they made this guy a bit of a road warrior, making him constantly go mm -hmm. to important markets for them, and he did it. So I want to just point that Double out. Couple key points here about Blades' stock coming in. Blades was a minus 155 betting favorite, which was the last time during this early run that that Francis would be the underdog. Mm. And it's because he had just TKO'd over him mm -hmm. and took a decision from a still there Mark Hunt before that. So Blades, despite being early in his UFC career, kind of came into this fight as he could be the next guy if he puts together some wins. I'm not gonna lie and say that I was paying attention to the fight like, the, like we're doing right now, but at the time, I know when the fight came on, it was the same thing. Blades knew how to wrestle, and I think that the recipe was obviously that he could just take him down and keep him there, right? And he's 6'4 with good yeah. reach himself, so this was a great early test for Francis against a guy who seemed ready to go places. What did you make of the idea, since you did not think his wrestling was all that impressive in the debut, and fair enough, it wasn't necessarily all that spectacular, but here he takes on a guy like Blades, who is maybe the yes. best in the division at it, actually. Stipe certainly has an argument for it as well. Right. And yes, okay, according to Fight Metric, he got two of the six takedowns, but they never seemed to matter that much, they did didn't. they? No. I just know that, because I always gauge these things by like buddies on fight nights that are like, hey man, who, who should we take? And I remember pointing this out. I was like, you know, I just saw Ngannou fight in the last one and he was taken down. I just envisioned him getting taken down and the fight's going to go that direction. So him thwarting a couple of those early on, I thought was a mm. tell a little bit. The other thing is, you know, He's from France, he's training out of France, and a lot of times these European guys, especially raw guys who've only been at it two or three years, they just don't have wrestling yet. Sure. You just don't believe yeah. that they're going to be able to stop a guy like Blades who has a dedicated past to wrestling. Um, the, the other part though, I will say, when he got up at times, um, and this is true in the Henrique fight as well, he didn't have the best takedown defense, but he was so fucking strong and even yeah, in the first yeah. Stipe fight, you can see oh it. My God. He just stands up at times. Well, and these guys are like, they don't know what to do with it. <laughs> he didn't take damage at all being on the ground against Henrique or Blades. And I think Henrique yeah. was afraid to, to open up offensively, even in top position, because he had felt that power. But did you see what's interesting in this one is Blades, I mentioned, was first guy with size equal, equality for the most part. Yeah. That first opening jab from Blades, I think it fucked Francis <laughs> up. Like, he was like, oh, shit. He was, yeah. he was hurt. He took so a step too. back. 
But the narrative on this fight, tell me if I'm wrong, and I think it was a narrative that was built up heading into the Blades rematch, which we can talk about later, but was, oh, okay, Blades ends up losing this fight by TKO because of his face was a mess. But, oh, man, he was the first guy to expose that Francis yeah. can't wrestle. Yes, and he was, was dominating. Yes, there was a lot of that, actually. Looking back on this fight, yes, Blades had two or three successful takedowns there. He did nothing with it Correct. at all. Yeah. Correct. It's been a problem that has plagued Curtis Blades, I, I would mm -hmm. say, in his UFC run. Not in totality, obviously. Yeah. He has those vicious elbows over Overeem, so it's not a consistent problem. But it's not something that he has ever, I think, fully worked through. And... This is what I mean. A guy like Francis sort of just picking his spots as a heavyweight. He was showing good good um, perseverance, not through terrible spots, but just sort of picking his own. You like what you see here a little bit yeah. from Francis, right? I did like what I was seeing, but at the same time, again, I'm not sure that I was circling him as anything to really be a okay, champion. So let me say point. something here, and I think it's in part the audience should know this. Just what is the context here of the heavyweight division? We are now pretty close to the end, the beginning of the post-Kane, post-JDS yeah, yeah. mm -hmm. heavyweight division where you do have a lot of older players in that division because it's the it's heavyweight. You're always going to have older players who've been there for a while, like your Orlovskis and things like that. But there's this power vacuum at the top where we actually don't know who the best heavyweight is. <laughs> so this win, by the way, I know it's like a TKO ref stoppage because the doctor right. checked it twice. The referee actually is like, ugly, man. the referee's like, come on, doc, get him out of here. And the doc's like, uh, <laughs> this motherfucker can't see shit. Yeah. <laughs> and they actually had to and stop. And also the he was like, here, touch my finger. To yeah. He covered and he good he's eye. Like grabbing Blades like smacked him in the face. And the ref was like, all right, this, this, this is, this this is a fucking joke. So my point being is, at this time, we didn't know exactly who Curtis Blades was well, either. To be fair on your question about true. the era, this is now Stipe's time, but it took a long time for a lot of us, including me, for, you know, I'm the leader of this anti-fan club to be like, no, Stipe's legit. He's going to be, you know, lording over this division for a while. Yes. To me, it felt like an empty crown on top, obviously in, with, with Kane handing it off, and we still weren't sure if Kane was going to come back. I, we all thought Overeem was going to be that guy. He yeah. just had a couple... Yeah. Rough losses during that stretch. One of them to Blades, you know, obviously to, to Travis Brown and, and and to Bigfoot, where you're just sort of like, damn, he can't put it together. So it was open there for Nganu, but the, the UFC announcers, nor us at the time, were still thinking, God, this guy could be next. I will say two things, though. Francis effed around with the southpaw stance for the first time in this fight. Didn't really have any success, but seemed comfortable early doing it. And also, Blades was the first guy to be able to take his power. Mm -hmm. uh, he couldn't take, his, yeah. couldn't take his power for more than two rounds, but a guy with a big <laughs> chin, and you saw the freaking damage that comes yeah. to you at this point if you try to take in Francis's power because Gabe Blades' face was a freaking... It was shut. It, I mean, it was ble bleeding from the, from the nose down and the, the eye was... The just, eye was completely closed. Yeah. Yeah. So if you take that shit, busted up. you're, you're, you're going to get a yeah. All right, so we move along. We stay in 2016. He had a busy 2016, three fights. We now move to Chicago, Illinois. This is July of 2016. At the home versus Shevchenko card, which is actually a really good card, did quite well on Fox for the ratings, I recall. This is not a big fight in his repertoire. This was something of a next fight in the in the <laughs> contract kind of scenario. He beats Bojan Mihailovic. <laughs> whose who, tattoos scream Nazi. Whose <laughs> tattoos were not great. He didn't look like he had been in the weight room at any point in his life. And I'm sure he's a good fighter. Well, he had been but, unbeaten for a decade in the sub-UFC level. He had a 10-fight yeah. win I mean, streak coming mean? into here. Yeah. But he was small for a heavyweight and from the opening second of this fight, you got Bohan circling away, trying to see if that fence can open because he's just trying to get the frick away from him. <laughs> yeah. Seriously, but I will say before this fight, first time Francis says in the pre-fight interview, I will be the heavyweight champion one day. I thought that was a key yeah. turning point moment. Even though he still got the predator haircut and they're still mispronouncing his name, calling him Gano, this was the first time where he's and out there saying one. it. And, and he's on the main card. 
He's on the yes. main card of the UFC on Fox card. Mm -hmm. Big deal. Um, all right, so what do you want to say? I mean, there's nothing really to no. say about this one. Once Bo John let him open up, yeah. he got he was out of there. But you can see the UFC is like, okay, we saw what you did against Curtis yeah. Blades. We saw what you did against Luis Henrique. Let's see what else you can do right. against an overmatched opposition, but on a grand yeah. stage. To be fair about the stoppage, though, I don't know if you guys rewatched the re replays. He didn't actually catch Bojan. No, he just kind of just said Th he This was out. almost like a fear, I'm going to go to the ground. This was close to Bob Sapp. And then he got hammered to the face was so clean that Herb's like, dude, you're not even fighting back. You're done. Yeah, Herb Dean got him out of there, even though he had not been concussed by any means. So now he's on a big stage. He beats this guy. And, you know, even though the fight kind of sucked for the reasons that it, we saw, it begins to set up this myth. You've got the power from the Henrique fight with that mm. with the uppercut. Now you've got the highlight reel. You've got Blaze's eye being completely closed. And now you've got a guy who wants zero part of him <laughs> on a UFC on Fox card. That's a big win for this dude if he could have got it. He didn't even fucking try. So the next These fight, are all newbies, by the way, right? Every yes. single guy to this point had been a UFC debutant. Yes. They weren't like... In fairness, Curtis Blades is a perennial contender. But True. at the time, you're right. Yeah. Yes, that's what he was. All right. This fight is actually kind of interesting. It's another smaller one. December of 2016, this is his last fight of the year. He takes on Anthony Hamilton. Now, Anthony Hamilton is a bigger guy at the time. I'm not sure where he is now. At the time, yeah. he was out of the Greg Jackson's camp. Yeah. And the reason why he was a relevant opponent for Francis at this point was overall he was not nearly as good. But he could do one thing that was important. He could wrestle. Yeah. So the question was, if a guy puts wrestling pressure, is Francis going to fight down to this opposition and show us that he's got this really bad weakness or can he overcome it? Turns out he can overcome and it. And Hamilton could crack. He was fresh off a 14-second knockout win in the octagon. So this was sort of like, oh, mm -hmm. two power punchers go against each other. And Hamilton, you said, where is he now? God, he, this was the beginning of a four-fight losing streak that ended his UFC run. So that can happen when you run to Francis. He's got a seven-inch reach advantage, which is becoming a theme in each fight. But here's where John Anik enters the picture. First fight, Anik calls it. We know Anik's commitment to pronunciation and facts and getting things right, doing his homework. This is the first fight in which we are calling him Francis Ngannou. Wait a and minute. Didn't he call him name. that in Croatia? I no, thought that it, that was, was it was one. Goldie, and it was other announcers. He's still Gano the whole way. They go with Ngannou and also Anik calling him, quote, a rising star who is seen by many to be the future of the division. So the hype is there. Yeah. Slugger versus slugger. But, look, this size difference. If you don't have one legit, or, or in Stipe's case, you know, the first one to beat Francis in the UFC, two or three, four elite skills to bring in there against him, you can't hang with him no, at this you can't. point. You just can't. And, do and, it. and again, I want to point out Anthony Hamilton takes a couple of punches, not a couple, I want to, it's, it's, you know, he's a tough guy, but he takes some punches yeah. from a guy like Francis, and his defense goes to shit as well, where Francis can just pick up the arm and then drive it across for the Kimura. It's ridiculous what kind of. That was a display of strength. Yeah, mental strength. We, we, we grew up in the 80s crazy, when man. guys would show up to fight Tyson fucking pissing in their pants. Mm -hmm. You get a little bit of that with Francis, if not so much at the beginning. Certainly uh, uh, several punches in from him, if they're still awake, they're like, oh, good. this is no, no, we're not doing this. I think no. this is his breakthrough win. You said it's sort of so another... Too. No, no, it's an important win because here was a guy who was supposed to like really be like, okay, he's not the best fighter, but he could test him in this area. And Francis ran over I mean, he him. dominated him. And, and for them to build him up coming in as a star, it's the first time he's got the new haircut yeah. with the designs in the side. They're saying his name right. He's number 12 in the division. Co-main event. Co-main event on the score. a minus 500 betting favorite. Yeah. So you're starting Not to see to mention, Vegas, though. who's typically ahead of the curve on identifying who's going to be uh, a guy who can go on that type of run. And they they nailed it. And afterwards, Brian Stan, a commentary, go, yelling, four years ago, this dude didn't even know what MMA was. <laughs> yeah. So... We are all, I think, journalists, fans, announcers are waking up at the same time to this isn't just a banger. This is a, a legitimate 
if this guy keeps doing this to everyone, no one's going to stop. And I think at that time, he may have been 28 or 29 at that time. Yeah, he made his uh, UFC debut at 29 in yes. 2015. So, so he was just is, to 30, which yeah. for heavyweight is like 15 it's years like day old. One. Yeah. But just to peel or to pry that arm loose and to do that, it was almost big brothering like. Yes. You know what I mean? It, that's why it opened my eyes. That's when I was really like, okay, his strength is just something else. It's, it's showing in different ways now. Well, but to get that, but him getting was, a sub is like the equivalent yes. of like somebody learned to pop. Right? It's <laughs> yeah. just like, you know, it's like <laughs> yes. You know, what's funny is uh, Joe Silva one time had a quote about Frank Mir and his submissions, and it was Frank Mir is what happens when horsepower meets technique. Yeah. And that's what happened in this one, where <laughs> actually good, Francis showed some really true. good technique, but his fucking horsepower. Yeah. Is just extraordinary, and uh, Hamilton tapped immediately. Uh, Francis calling out Arlovsky or Travis Brown. The point is, he wants a top ten guy, and he wants it now. So then we move along. He takes on Andre Arlovsky. UFC on Fox. Look where they're putting him. Yeah, this is big time. They're putting him. Yeah. Shevchenko versus Pena. They're putting him with Shevchenko, who, who by the way, at her, herself during this time is building a nice little run. He wins this one against Andre Arlovsky like it's a fucking joke. <laughs> Well, and he does a whole lot of three fights coming in. Luke, one, one, so. one second, one second, one second. 132 of the first round, January of 2017. Go ahead. Olofsky's on a three fight winning streak. I think they, they rightfully sold it. Sorry, three fight losing streak. They rightfully sold it as, you know, Anna, or sorry, Florian, uh, Joe Rogan calling it, you know, maybe the best sort of prototypical crossroads fight that we've seen. I know Olofsky's had a, had a lot of reinventions, mm -hmm. but this was a time three straight knockout losses that were sort of like. He, he, he fair enough, <laughs> fair that. enough. But at the time, you could see it on the screen when this fight was made. Granted, yeah. we'll take that as it's worth, Chuck. Mm -hmm. Arlovsky was ranked seven. Yes. Arlovsky was ranked seven. Well, so this Francis was three seven, KO right? losses. I, I so I don't know. That. I don't know where he was ranked before that, but he was put number yeah. seven. So if you're a guy, I mean, this is the bigger part for Francis. Now you are at the end of the division, where mm -hmm. one, Arlovsky is a former champion, so you're fighting former champions. Right. Two, you're fighting names. And three, you're doing it against the old guard of the division. It, yeah. This is what John Jones had to do when he went through exactly right. light heavyweight. Yeah. There are obviously some important differences, but you see these big transcendental guys have to make these pushes. This is the beginning of the meaty side of the push. This so was like, the baton pass because yeah. I, I, you know, you you have no matter how many fights he'd lost in a row, you still have images of Arlovsky in his heyday. You have images of Arlovsky beating other guys, knocking them out. To see him get knocked out. By Angano, it was it was well. It was the first time they touched. To be it, fair, Arlovsky yeah. had a lot of leg strikes to open the fight. The first time they yep. both dug in to punch, Arlovsky missed a right hand that caught him in the chin, and it was two punch combo. Well, the me, fight's freaking over. Let me, let me say That's something. Where, and by the way, his uppercut lifts Arlovsky into orbit like this. So this is where the whole idea <laughs> that we may have MMA's Mike Tyson. I think it's yeah. It, the the, so, the sub win before this against Hamilton was sort of a breakthrough. Oh shit, you got to take legitimate notice. But this was the. Maybe he can knock out anybody with with this first punch, right. even if he's not skilled, even if he can't wrestle, even if he doesn't have gas tank. It may is not. Is he dog-eared at this point as a champion in your mind? Is he like when he beats Arlovsky, you think this guy's the future champion? Yeah, uh, I think he's going to contend for a title. Okay, because the weird the weird thing is in the revisionist way, people like you look now and you're like, what were we already thinking? Okay, he's had a lot of quick fights. What happens if he just goes into the deeper That's water? That's fair. Yes, there was. The, the, we've often said if you see a guy come off the regional scene and he's got a seven and zero resume and all our first round TKOs, you know he's a hammer. Yeah. The problem is he hasn't fought other yeah. hammers yet, and so you just don't. But know But this is happen. that rare hammer where, like I just said, you you start to debate to yourself on all of these holes in this game may not matter. Yes. We may not get to the point where we find out if somebody can expose those. That's scary. Even Anik right. afterwards, who's typically not high up on the 
hyperbole and you know too far in that level was like we may be looking at the next heavyweight champion. I also so. want to point out something about this fight, and if, if folks who may not remember this, go back and watch. This fight ends almost the same way as the JDS fight. Both JDS and Arlovsky, I went back and I saw this on the tape yesterday. It's kind of funny. They're so far away from yeah. Francis that they want to hit him <laughs> with something and, and like not be close, and they want to get the fuck out, but they make bad choices to get to that. Here's yeah. what I mean. Go back and watch. Arlovsky and JDS whiff on right hands, but they're throwing them from so far away with such steam that they step, and now they're leaning over themselves, and their weight carries them forward, so they go past Francis. Yeah. So Francis just goes, bop, to someone with his back <laughs> turned, and fucking drills him. Go back and look at this. It's the yeah. exact same punch. Arlovsky whiffs. There is one hand that kind of clips the top of him, and it's the one on the backside where they're bending into where he fucking drills him, and he hits JDS the exact same one. These guys were frightened yeah. of making contact yeah. with him. Arlovsky was actually number five coming in. Ngannou was number 10. First fight for Ngannou with the frosted tips. And I you sure he's five, seven one. on the screen? Five seven and ten. Screen. But uh, yeah, we can go back and realize. Watch some <laughs> I've, been, I've been wrong at least once before. But yeah, it's we'll hot, see it's what uh, But, the, you know, the next one with Overeem, which was... Uh, oh, wait, wait. Before you get to the Overeem. Now, in between, I think, is where his lore starts to really come in. Also, here because, last two of these, performance bonuses. Yeah. So he comes in before Overeem, right? This is a big fight, big power guys. They both look the part. But this is right when he goes to the uh, to the Performance Institute and he does that power thing, right? And he breaks Tyron Spong's uh, record, remember, for mm -hmm. the, the heaviest puncher? This was like a big deal. The myth is being built. This is what I'm saying. Everybody was talking about this and the, the viral footage of that. So and this heading also into like, that, suddenly we're looking at his punching power yeah. as like something otherworldly. And you're first getting a taste of like the homeless backstory, the, the hunger, all yeah. of this stuff. You're not getting the full details, but you're starting to get, there's like a mythic superhero being yeah. built here. All right, so now we move on to the next one. And this is, you just don't punch a lot of number one contender tickets quite like this. In fact, I would argue, and I think it's pretty true, in terms of uppercut finishes in MMA, this is your number one. Any weight class, any era. I don't know what could be better. Francis Ngannou in the co-main event of UFC 218. This is Holloway versus Aldo 2. Is in the co-main event against Alistair Overeem. We are in a place called Detroit, Michigan. And he <laughs> takes his motherfucking head off. It's, it's the greatest knockout in MMA history. It, it's tell me it's not. Right Please there. tell me it's, it's not. Right. If, if it's not, if it's not, as I mean, you would agree, as, as merely as an uppercut KO, that's the best yes. uppercut KO. It, it might be. Uppercut. You can argue that other knockouts have meant more in title fights, but like yeah. just brutality and violence. Yes, I don't think I've foe. ever seen someone's head whip yeah. over their shoulders the way this. I mean, is. just to put, just to double down on where Overeem was. This is number four Engano against number one Overeem. Overeem had won two in a row, but six of seven overall, with the only loss being the title loss at two or three. Stipe, and by the way, Stipe may have tapped. So you get what I'm saying here. Overeem's coming in as like... Dude, he'll do this. No, but, but that's the point. But the point I'll be is, like, dude, JFK's alive. Yeah, I mean, but point, anyway... The point yeah, is, just... he could... Over, this. I mean, Overeem said, again, like Arlovsky, a couple of peaks and valleys, but the stock was so high. If yeah. Ngannou really is MMA's Mike Tyson, if he really is a, a superhero or a, or the, you know, the, the villain at the end of the video game... Okay, prove it now against this guy. This yeah. ain't washed Arlovsky. This ain't fat white guy with, with Nazi tattoos. This is this, this is over. This is the you former know? K1 Dream Strike Force simultaneous yeah. champion. This is the best heavyweight in the world who's not the current champion at this That's time, right. which was Stephen. That's Mitchell. right. And he fucking it, sent him into the land. It was. You watch movies in Hollywood, like where they they choreograph an uppercut where the dude goes back, his head goes back, and he goes back. That's what it looked like. It looked like it was a choreographed, um, cinematic thing. How many times is a 
a guy get KO'd and you, and I don't mean like, oh, you wrote it on Twitter. I mean like in your head, you were like, I don't know if dude's, dude's not okay. I was going to say, that's not a career altering or ending. That's like a life ending KO. When he hit him that way, I was so worried about Overeem. Especially when they kept showing it. And somebody captured a brilliant like photo where you just see his head straight back as it's going through his face. And and we haven't talked about this too. Dude, Overeem before this fight had called news of Francis's power fake news. Yeah. And, you know, told him he's going to show him like the skills matter. And to be clear, yes, Overeem is a better overall kickboxer. That is true. But, dude, when you've got the off switch that a guy like Francis does, I don't give a shit what your skills are. They just don't really yeah. matter in those contests. And also, and for as short as this fight was, Francis stuffed an opening takedown from Overeem. And once Overeem was able to get into a standing clinch, Francis locked him up to the point where the referee broke them apart due to inactivity. So Francis is not getting dominated or bodied yet in the skill sets that we assume yeah. he may not be super I remember, elite at. Were you at the, uh, the Lesnar-Overeem fight back in the day? They, yes. I so they're watching. They're 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 standing there, and it was like impressive because you're like, these are two of the biggest guys yes. that could actually throw at each other. I remember and that the cleanest, fight. The, two of the cleanest fighters. Yeah, they were definitely <laughs> not on PEDs. <laughs> and JFK's alive. But they were like when they were <laughs> no when they when they went Ngannou and uh, and Overeem went to the fence, and Ngannou had him on the fence. The way he eclipsed his whole body, I was just like, I was like, dude, Overeem's huge, and to see a guy that just is that much big, his back, just the broad. Were you guys surprised? That entering this fight, for everything we said about Overeem, that Ngannou was a minus 225 betting favorite. Were you surprised? It's a little low, but no, not, not, not really. so much. Okay. I, think that's I mean, we're, we, we were living in a pre-Overeem get his head sent into the moon world. So What's yeah. funny is Rogan didn't go crazy. He called this fight with Anik. He didn't go crazy, though. It was actually Anik who's like paging Stipe Miocic. Francis Ngannou was coming. Joe was almost like flabbergasted, like he didn't know what to say. I think a lot of us were either like, get the ambulance right now for Overeem. I don't know, you know, but Anik... Joe thinks he's going to tire out with all those muscles. That's what his concern is. But here's a good stat. With this win, uh, Ngannou joined Rich Franklin, Ronda Rousey, and Anderson Silva as the only UFC modern fighters to start their career with six straight finishes. So this is like... Let's get him a title yeah. shot, and Luke, what did they wait? Dude. Less than two months? Dana White's like, let's get this guy in like right now against The, the very next month. They went from the 2nd of December, 2017, to just January 20th That's of 2018. That's a fast 2018. tracking. That's, like That's a, a hugely yeah. fast tracking. Yeah. And so there he is. This is where things start to get a little bit rough for him. But let, let's set the stage coming in. Stipe's your champion, and he's your rightful champion. We're talking he UFC had, 220 at January of 2018. He had defended the title in a real tough fight against Overeem, and he was starting to be that guy. But Stipe's still in this early sort of financial battle with the UFC. And, and, you know, the rumor of, well, Stipe can't sell. He can't talk on the mic. And UFC kind of not giving in to his wishes. There was a feeling, and Stipe brought it up in the interviews. I remember talking to him ahead of this fight, that UFC was not only fast-tracking Ngannou to be there, Mike Tyson, but they were trying to get Stipe out of office as quickly <laughs> as possible. Do you guys remember that? Yes, that was I remember thing that, of course. It was. And by the way, Stipe uh, coming into this fight with Francis had beaten JDS Alistair himself, although he had a little bit more trouble with Alistair, to your point. Francis, Arlovsky, Mark Hunt, and then Heather. Put those names in contest. Five wins in a row for Stipe entering this fight, all by knockout against all like former former champions champions. or that level. It felt like the biggest heavyweight fight of all time. And I remember I went and met with Ngannou in Boston at a Boston Celtics game, courtside, first time I ever got to sit courtside for this interview, which was really cool. But I remember the NBA players kind of coming up to him in awe, and that's when I was like, this dude, man, really is the guy that could be the Tyson, like we're talking about, of this sport, because there was a genuine sort of transcendent awe going on with this guy sitting I remember when he did, the first time he met Joel Embiid, the center for yeah. the Sixers. They're both from Cameroon. 
And yeah. uh, jo- Joel had like reverential things to say and, yeah. and, and sort of acknowledged yep. uh, Ngannou's place. And if All you're right. wondering, Ngannou's still the betting favorite heading into here as the challenger. Again, That's a, lot of, a little surprise. A lot of talk. You know, are we going to see MMA's Mike Tyson? Stock couldn't have been higher. UFC hoping he is the real deal. And finally, we had somebody yeah. who could stand up to him but also had the skills to avoid his face becoming hamburger. This round one, it, it holds up. It's batshit crazy. round one is great. I mean, it's not yes. nuts crazy Dude. like we've seen, but it is constant damage that they're trading off of each other. It's not only interesting to see Stipe get get clipped early. Yes. Not Nothing fully yes. flush and clean, but he's constantly getting touched to where you're like, most heavyweights are going away at this point. But even more importantly, when Stipe starts to figure out the, the right pull counter is there, and he starts lighting Francis up to close that round. It reminded me of Amanda Nunes being stunned against uh, Pena, just kind of her yes, hands yeah, out in front of her true. a little bit. Or being stunned against Cyborg, yet turning that corner and putting yeah. it back on her. Yeah. And this was man shit. We do not give Stipe, or I, I historically never yeah, I'm do. Saying, maybe you don't Dude, give Stipe. Do we to give Stipe enough credit in hindsight for going five rounds with this guy, but walking oh, yeah. through hell in the first round and putting up enough fight against the bully where Ngano's kind of like, I don't know how I'm going to beat this guy. You, you could know? go through the what-ifs. We do this all the time. But I was sitting there at cage side, and a couple of those punches by Ngano, could, it could have ended like the second fight did. Very early, they were so close to landing. So it just felt like this was the first anticipation, edge of your seat anticipation, any second, don't blink, feel, right? It felt like any second Miocic was gonna get clipped and go down. So when he weathered that storm and started to land, it was a weird feeling in that building. It was like, okay, whoa, what happens now? It was it was kind of fun. And then he actually. started getting takedowns. Yeah. Started getting takedowns. Takedowns started to come a little bit more easily by the fourth round, they came like it was nothing. Would you agree that Ngannou's fighting spirit was kind of muffled out at the end of that first round. That yes. last takedown from Stipe, where he put I his forearm so. into his throat, it was the first time Ngannou had like stopped putting it up l- a fight. It looked like it was the first time someone, even including in the gym, had yeah. put it on him in a while. Yeah. And he was like, well, here. But here, it's interesting about this. This At the end of that round, a lot of factors revealed themselves. One was, okay, we've been saying Francis doesn't need all these skills because he has all these physical gifts. Well, it turns out at heavyweight, there's... There's, you just don't need any of those skills until you get to the very top. Yes. And then there's like three guys who do what heavyweights don't do. He got right. to that level, and it really kind of fucked but him it up. But it was bit. it was very fatigue based, though. And let's be fair. Yeah. I mean, he's knocking everybody out in the first round. Well, he Francis, had never gone we haven't talked second. about this either. Francis has a really good chin. People just really rarely good. ever test it. But yeah. like, he's not going to know how to have the right stamina until he's put in that spot. He lost his. The, obviously, credit to Francis for not tapping out of this fight, not just getting stopped or gassing out completely. He went the distance, whether at the time we were questioning if that was good for him or not. But this was the first time anyone had stretched out that gas tank. So because of that, <laughs> do you think what became a narrative that he can't wrestle at all, is it that he can't wrestle at all or is it that he was just exhausted he after exhausted, round one? exhausted, I think. And I mean, it felt existential watching him go to his corner after like the first round, especially after the second round, where he's like, I have a long way to go and I don't know how I'm going to get through this fight. Yeah. You could see that in his demeanor. Like, now, he was in, like, how, I, how am I going to do this? Like, yeah, like, I, I know what I'm up against yes. and I know I don't have right. any of the tools I have to nothing fight. left. So he would go in there and try to wing the biggest punch he could throw and then get taken down and it was all it, it was, was just repeat. Okay, the fact that he finished it, though, went four dull, one-sided rounds where he tried to muffle up energy and get up and try to you know start something and Steve and put him right back down. In hindsight, was that the best thing that could have happened to him? Because he took on a lot of damage, a lot. See, I, at the time, this did not prove to be true. At the time, I was worried, you kind of indicated it, that that fight went on so long that, you know, I... I He's going to be JDS. I, dude, I watched the fight live between Rich Franklin and David Loazzo. I go yeah. to this fight all the time, and David Loazzo was not the same after that fight. 
And I really worried that I think Francis yeah, finally gets to a title yeah. shot and he's not going to be the same after this one. Yeah. And for a short time, he wasn't, which we'll talk about in just a second. But uh, mercifully, that did not This come is to also pass. when expectations play in, right? Like, you were having this moment. It's like vertigo. Like, this thing is not going my way. It's embarrassing or whatever he's thinking. But the expectations of what he was going to do, what he was going to mean in the UFC, where he was going, obviously there's a huge disappointment. It all goes yeah. funneling out of there. So I think that he felt that. And obviously, it played into his next fight. But I'm like, I feel, I feel like he was dealing with that too. The mental, yep. um, he talked all about the mental that a lot side of it on the build up to the Derek Lewis fight, which will be the next one about where he's actually openly saying. And now this is also this is the first fight. Tell me if I'm wrong. The Stipe fight is the first fight with the new trained. No, JD. Uh, well, it might be, but because uh, there's 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 Dewey Cooper. Yep. But Nick Sick didn't start till the mm. JDS fight. Okay. Okay. So more recently, but, um, he, but but Dewey Cooper might have started long before. Yeah, Dewey that. Cooper seems to be there and overlapping between the two. But there was a lot of talk where Stan, where I remember interviewing Francis. He's just like, I'm not even sure what I'm supposed to be. I, you know, I, ca I came in there trying to knock everybody out, and then uh, my problem against Stipe was I didn't. You know, I'm trying to extend the fight, but I really don't know how. He's sort of filling out his identity. I also think, and we would find out that this is where him and Dana White would begin to have major issues. Dana calling him a diva, a guy who you know doing what he wants, spending his money on cars, whatever. <laughs> And I'm sure that it got to Francis. I'm, I'm this god suddenly, right? And then, until he wasn't, but um, Francis's mindset is uh, is was very shaken. I think in yeah. that Derek fight, he just did not know who he should be, what attitude to take on, how to mentally recover from. It's like from his identity. So his identity took a blow. Yeah. Let's talk about that. So we're still in 2018. The 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 Steve fight was in January of that yeah. year. The Derek Lewis fight. I'm gonna say in contention for worst fight yeah. in UFC history. I was cage side. It was, it was awful <laughs> yeah. because the expectation, think about it, Hold the expectations if they ever just, rematch. Just July of 2018 is all I wanted to say, July of 2018. So we're only six months yeah. later, seven months later. So he got rushed back in. The expectations <laughs> for this are that you're going to see the greatest slugfest of all time, and they're still in play because we're going to eventually see this rematch one yeah. day. But I also think Dana... Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot... Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Felt betrayed in a way. This sounds stupid. Oh, no, 100% correct. He wanted Francis to be Tyson so badly, and they put all this into it, and you can argue whether he actually ever really liked Stipe. And yes, I'm sure Francis went over the board and was, became a diva and maybe started to try to exercise his value and negotiate and piss Dana off, but Dana was up, straight up upset that Francis <laughs> didn't kind of like plan out. I believe that. Yes, I really believe that. he didn't that. fall on his sword is a big deal for Dana. Well, then he didn't pan out and turn and look and turn yeah. into what he yeah. was looking like. He I could don't be. know what they expected. If you have the result from the Miocic fight that you have in in January of that year, why would you put him a back in 6 months right. number 1 and then against fucking Derek Lewis? <laughs> like the UFC, I understand that they can look at a guy like this and say, "Okay, he's, you know, he's not who we thought he is," at least at this point in time. 
But you know, you you hasten his demise at this point. Like yeah. they, you, you, they they bear some responsibility. Yes, one hundred percent. Hasten his demise. But I actually thought I was looking at a broken figure. Like this was it was so so bizarre rewatching that fight. I didn't rewatch it for this. I actually did a piece on it a little while ago when they were talking about doing that rematch ahead of the John Jones jumping in all that mm-hmm. stuff. And when the, when the crowd itself is booing and taking out their phones and doing the light lighters and all that stuff oh like, like they're listening, watching about it was like, it was like theater. Yes. It was like performance art that had gone wrong. It, it was like it was so a, weird. Like around a turn there's 33 days. total strikes over the course of that well, to fight. To be fair, Derek it was, Lewis's back injury had acted true. up on the weight of this fight. They it was more. About. I think the indictment was more on Engano, right? Like, because everybody's waiting for him to explode. It was the same thing, yes. and he just never. And he's had, waiting and for a and moment to counter. Derek Lewis is not giving him that. But to your fair, uh, to your point on the status of Lewis, he had won seven of eight coming in, yes. and the only loss was when he gassed out against Mark Hunt in a fight he should have yeah. sort of put away and won. On yes, his own. yes, so certainly no, no doubt about that. And and also, um, well, we kind of been over that part. But it, it, you get to a point now where I, I think they had booked this. They should have thought like, oh, this guy's going to be terrified. We shouldn't look him against a power puncher. But I think what they thought was, oh, you had such an underwhelming performance against Stipe. Let's give you the chance to rebound against a guy right. who will slug with you That's but not what wrestle. I, yes. That's what they must have done, yeah. not realizing, dude, this guy is battered in his mind, yes. in his mind, and you got to give him somebody like the Bojan dude who yes. was, you know, well, just Well, if Dana wasn't, was mad coming in, which we, I think, can prove through interviews and stuff that he was, <laughs> he turned on, he doubled down his turn against Francis on this fight. He has still to this day never said anything bad about Derek Lewis not pushing the pace and, and you know, <laughs> despite the back injury. It has been, this is proof that Francis sucks and we hate him and it's just bizarre looking Great, back. The greatest line of that happened. fight it's was bizarre. when John Anik at the very end was like, good luck to our crew trying to find highlights of this fight to show you. Yeah. He said that yes, at the end yeah. of that fight. Let me ask you, Chuck, after this point, um, how bad do you assess the relationship between Francis and the UFC? After the two losses, certainly that's the worst it's been. Although you could argue now it's pretty fucking bad. Yeah. Um, well, he had no leverage after these two losses, so maybe it's yeah, worse that's, for him. Yeah, that's a good point. I actually thought that's what I thought more so. It was like now they now they kind of have Derek, I mean, they have uh, Ngannou in a place where they can yeah. kind of just do what they want again. It felt like it actually got better after this Francis point, was, after the whole thing, better, yeah. yes. Francis was a minus 340 favorite in the Lewis fight, despite, was he really? despite the loss to Miocic. Just what was the, I want to know what the odds were for the first round finish or the, or the under on the finish, because everybody thought that fight was going to be over quickly. And you yeah, should have. But so I want to ask you one thing about who Francis is. We know that he's confused now in terms of how should I fight? There's a but change this is, this is, yeah, This is when the begin of, he's beginning yeah. to be like, where should I be to get the best out of myself? And I'm not saying, by the way, I want to be clear about this. Yeah. I've been Fernand Lopez. I think he is a great trainer with a great gym. Cyril Gaon is a great fighter yeah. for yes. that reason. I don't, this is not anything bad. But I should just point out, people learn to not get along, and yes. you can begin to see Lopez and Ngannou begin to butt heads. Ngannou came out in Southpaw to open both the Stipe fight and the Derek Lewis fight and had zero really success from it. He's very confused in terms of who he should be and how he should be. Still the betting favorite because of that power, but man, it's an interesting time to be in Francis's brain right here because it's it's not out of the question at this point to think that he's a bust and we just saw it play out right right of us. That was a a narrative in the era. That's right, if he's going to get better, if he's going to do something at this point, Reinvention is a must. It's not a, th- well, you can do a little bit. No, you have to completely reinvent who you are at this point. Yes, you got the big power, obviously. That yeah. will never go away, but. Okay, so now we go to the redemption side of things. Curtis Blades is his next and. A violent uh, redemption. A violent yes. redemption. And again, want to point out something. We're now in July of 2018. 
excuse me, we're now in November of 2018. He had three fights that year as well. That's crazy return. They sent his ass to fucking China for this too. (laughs) Beijing, China, he got a performance of the night. Curtis Blades, BC, couldn't last more than 45 seconds against him. And this was another time where we're like, Blades had rebuilt himself right. from the first. Yes, and exactly. His only loss yeah. at this point is to Francis. Heading into the second re- the, the second That's fight right. with Francis, he's beaten a bunch of them, but not limited to Alexi Olenek, Mark Hunt, and Overeem, his yes. biggest I win. I had that wrong. Yeah. yeah, ahead of the first fight, he was less experienced. So he's coming in completely reborn, and now he's kind of stopping people on top of that. To stop JDS at this point, it was an eye-opener. And it didn't get out of the first round, and it was no. kind of the same thing. The first time they really touched each other. What was the betting favorite on this one? I don't know. I have to look it up. Here's the blade. I thought, because of the timing, because it was all happening one year, that it was a really, really bad matchup for Ngannou. I was like, this is a horrible idea for him to go against a guy who has a target on him anyway from losing before, you know, uh, the fight stopping and then coming off of that performance against Eric Lewis. I just thought this was an awful matchup. So to see him return to kind of his old self for even that moment in time was like kind of eye-opening for me. Yeah, we didn't necessarily learn a lot, but I actually thought that this was a great rebound for him. Because he got to For go him, there, yeah. he's headlining a card, he went to China, he did the promotion of Solid, essentially, he gets a win with no damage, I mean, right. literally no damage, against a guy who's highly ranked, highly regarded, it's like the best way to just get an experience under your belt without taking a shitload of damage to get to the other side, and so now he can focus in on retooling, redeveloping, mm. I think he has switched camps by this point, although I'm not sure... If it's with, again, Eric Nixick told me his first camp was the JDS fight. So uh, just quickly on that rematch, uh, Nganu opened as a minus 155 betting favorite, but it had switched. Switch. That's what I thought. To the I, fight, I, wow. And then it, the books were kind of split across the board after that. And by the way, the Curtis Blade story is not finished being written at all, no. but it will show that the Nganu chapters were not favorable to him ultimately in the end. All right, so there's not much to say about that one. Now we move to one of the most important ones. Here we go. He takes on and defeats Cain Velasquez via KO. At just 26 seconds into the first round, this was not only a headlining moment, Chuck, but this fight night was called Nganu versus Velasquez. Yeah. You have the return of Cain Velasquez after years away, the most celebrated, Brock Lesnar maybe, but Cain Velasquez, yeah. the most celebrated heavyweight probably ever, or you know, one of them anyway. And big fight back, it's the main event, it's on ESPN regular, <laughs> I remember this, yeah. because they threw to Chael and Ariel to take the uh, sports center afterwards, yeah. and... He can't last 30 fucking seconds. <laughs> well, to, to be fair, before we talk about Kane Dude. falling apart, look, I'm a big Kane guy. The, the narrative of this fight was Kane wins this, and it's not any, you know, no, no yes. one thought he was going to run through him, but I picked Kane to win. I'm like, you know Did what? Did you really? He could stretch him out and wrestle, and he's more savvy than the Blades level guys. He'll be able to avoid it. I thought so too. And we were already preparing the narrative of Kane's going to go on and fight Stipe right. to declare who really is <laughs> the right. weight of this era That's exactly and correct. of all time. Yes. And Ngannou was just like, No, fuck, fuck your plans. You. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Was it injury or, or power that ended this fight? It looked like, I mean, I, we, I just wa- re-watched this fight. I watched it in its entirety, actually. Yeah, that took a But the way he folded and, like, he kind of screams out in pain, I thought at the time, like, he broke his leg or something or hurt his ankle. It just didn't look right. But very weird, just the short stuff that gets landed inside, but just the power, you know, of what, what was displayed there. I, I just felt like, honestly, going into this fight, I kind of saw it playing out like this. I, w- I don't know why, mm. but I, not, not exactly like that, but I, I, was, I was like, if... I could see it happening very quickly. Let's put it that way for Ngano. I thought if he if he was able to touch Kane, it would probably be quick. Um, I remember making that pretty public too. So uh, maybe you guys can look. That I'll just say this: I didn't know if it was a punch or injury or a combination of both. Probably the latter. But yeah. I'll just say this: when it was over, I was like, right, Kane was not the guy. Twenty six seconds. Yeah, yeah. Twenty six freaking seconds. Yep. So we're starting to get back into okay. 
Ngannou's back with two knockouts. But to be fair, it really, until he fought <laughs> Stipe the second time, right. we didn't know, and we still don't know a well, ton. Everybody was like, we don't, not wanting to jump on the hype train again. Because we don't know right. if he's improved wrestling at <laughs> all. Right. We don't know if yeah. mentally he's where he needs to be. We don't know if we're just waiting for anyone to take him to the second round yes. and gas him out of there. We don't know shit, and we didn't necessarily learn it with this next fight against Junior Dos Santos. We either. didn't, but we know we did learn, which was, okay, I don't know if he's going to be the guy who can you know stop Stipe's takedowns or whatever, but I'll tell you this much, when Francis fights... You don't blink, <laughs> don't fucking blink. So he takes on Junior Dos Santos again. A UFC on ESPN card. It is the main event, and Ganu versus Dos Santos is the name of it. And just one eleven into the first round in Minneapolis, Minnesota, he got a performance of the night bonus. But you see, it's the same I thing. I feel like it's fair to remind people fight. though. This isn't hella wash JDS yet. He's on a three fight win streak, including knocking out Derek Lewis. So. I know that that was another one for Derek Lewis that was stamina induced in the end, but it's sort of like he's reborn. He's won four or five overall with the only loss to Stipe for the title. This was the last time we sort of propped up Junior Dos Santos yeah. and said, maybe he's got another title fight in his future. This is a legitimate sort of, you know, who's coming back into title contention. And it didn't freaking last more than two minutes. Yes, what he's, which, tell me if I'm, you disagree, Chuck. What he is showing in these fights is like, dude, they make one mistake against him. Yes. And it is over. That's it. And also, like you'd mentioned the old guard earlier, this was the moment for me, the JDS and the Cain Velasquez back-to-back, where he's beating these guys who are the staples of this division and went to war against each other. And it was just like this declaration, like, no, this is the new thing now. Yes. This Good, is what Goodbye it is. to and, all that. And <laughs> they all looked old, slow, outmatched. They all looked like that. So I think I bought into the Stipe thing at this point, because of the, like the rematch, because I was like, man, he's just... He, he, the benefit of that loss, like you mentioned, what he took from the loss earlier, it'd be very interesting to see how he bounces back. But having won those three fights... And the way he did, I just felt like, I didn't feel like he'd make the same mistakes against Stipe. Right. The JDS fight is June of 2019. This would begin this long stretch of inac relative inactivity where Ngannou's fighting like once a year. And a lot of it is due to the back and forth politics yeah. between what's going on in the title division, or with the title at the top of the division at the moment, Daniel Cormier and Stipe Miocic trading fights in their trilogy. This began the continuation of the ice out period when they offer him... Uh, <laughs> Uh, unbeaten Jair Rosenstruck. That's so right. it's a great fight on paper, but but he believes he should have had a title shot right here. In hindsight, did he get screwed by the love affair that we had with the DC Stipe? He did get screwed by that, but the other he got screwed two ways. One was he should have gotten the fight that was different than that. The other one was they, if you recall, they never made this one an interim title fight. And I'm right. I'm of the belief that interim title fight. We do, we've been saying that this unification between Gon and Francis is a little bit fugazi, but. I'll say this, <laughs> if there was ever a time to build an interim title fight for heavyweight, that was the one. And yeah. Francis was like, dude, I will, I have to take this thing out, I will defend this whenever you want. Yeah. I'll go around, I'll, I'll be as active as you He's want. Like, I'll fight every month if you want Does me it, to be your Mike Tyson. And yeah. I felt like he was due for a good payday too, by the way, so that was the other part, and so he just didn't get it. And this ain't easy matchmaking, giving him this version of Rosenstrike. Right, dude, they're giving him a Rosenstrike who was kicking everyone's ass, who was beating Arlovsky right. the same way. You know, just like one shot, putting him out. And uh, it was funny. I actually talked to Eric Nixick after this fight because it only lasted 20 seconds. Mm -hmm. And if you go and look at the combination that Francis <laughs> threw, and I feel comfortable saying this, I mean, it's a donk. It's a donk combo. I mean, it's the worst combo ever. <laughs> He's just fucking throwing. Somebody, I mean, somebody slowed it down in the slow motion and put, like, classical music behind it. Yeah, I mean, he's just flailing. <laughs> and, and you see, by the way, go watch this shit because Rosenstrike is backing up the whole time and he's watching. And you'll watch him. He sees everything coming, and he's throwing strikes around it to, like, to intercept. And they're landing on Francis, yeah. and Francis is eating it, and Francis goes, 
Boop. Dude, this is <laughs> this is Francis's fuck you moment to Dana White in the yeah. breast. They're like, okay, you got basically the next Ngannou, which is could be Rosenstrike if he beats me. Yes. You're just gonna throw me in with another one, and I should have got the title shot. So he just runs. He's like, that's what it was. That's like, what I, I, felt I like. don't care what you have. I'm gonna run right through it and knock you the fuck. Well, out. it just shows even when Francis is not on his game, which he was. This was the pandemic. This was Jacksonville. Mm. There was no crowd for the first time. This was all weird and new. Even when he doesn't perform even close to his abilities. He just still puts people out in like 30 seconds. It's, I don't know what you're supposed to do with that other than be extraordinarily talented. And also Good the luck. return of the panic on the guy he's hitting. Because I felt like when he's in his retreat trying to get out of the way, you see Rosenstruck just like, the what, what is make. about to happen to yeah. me? You know. All right, That's so me. then we go through a prolonged layoff where he doesn't fight for nearly a year, but it's his last fight on record. But BC, I would argue, maybe the most important fight he's had up to this yes. point in terms of proving everything so he has now earned a title shot against the champion, Stipe Miocic. This will be for the heavyweight championship. It was in March of 2021, and he didn't just win via KO with kind of like a jab hook punch, one hitter quitter in the second round, 52 seconds. BC, that was a man in full. That was a guy who showed well-rounded ability, and Stipe didn't have a prayer that night. You know that feeling when you're a kid, and Luke hates pro wrestling, and look, I even kind of hate pro wrestling right now after I go on and off. I get hot and cold. It is stupid. But there's that point when you're six years old, and you're watching pro wrestling at home or maybe in the arena with your parents, and you're young enough where it's still kind of possibly real to you, damn it, (laughs) but the big villain comes out, whether it's whoever was the guy of your era, and you're like, you're like, I don't want to fucking be in the same state as that guy because he might reach his hand through the TV and kill me. Like that, I had that as a <laughs> adult who is a mixed professional mixed martial artist journalist, whatever that means, where I was just like, this guy's fucking scary as shit. This is obviously the most important fight and win of his career because he finally climbed the mountain and won the title and beat and knocked out and brutalized the guy who stopped him the first time yeah. from doing that. But in terms of the evolution of his game, dude, mm-hmm. this is why it's a crime that he's fought three times in three years and that we're waiting, yeah. you know, that there's an interim title and all that shit. I cannot wait to see against Cyril Ghosn in this, in this unification if the teases that Francis showed in this fight, being able to stop the takedown, being able to be quick and dangerous and confident on it's, the ground and transitioning, offense, and then the new setup to the offense, going southpaw and throwing these mm-hmm. weird combos and... And just using his jam as, jab as a battering ram, Stipe, who, yes, was not the same compared to the first fight, the DC Wars had added mm-hmm. up something, yes, right? Sure. He still was willing to, to fight to the death and tried his best to take every big shot. And he had a freaking prayer. <laughs> no. this, this was the scariest version that anybody has ever yeah. been in UFC history. Talk me down from that pedestal. That's the first, so when the pre, the Predator movies, what scares you about the Predator is one, he's this giant hulking creature. And the other one is he's got all these cool toys and these <laughs> tactics you couldn't imagine. Yeah, he, yes. could check, he could track your blood, the temperature of your blood. <laughs> all kinds of yeah. shit, dude, that's what Francis is now. Francis before was just a Predator with no armor. Now yeah. he is all of that. What do you remember about that fight night? Just being in awe because honestly, like that was the hump, right? Like he had to get over the Stipe Miocic thing. There's also a mental hurdle when you lose to a guy like that. So if you're going back into a fight like that, you know, the mental side of it, we saw him affected in the Derek Lewis fight. How would he how would he present himself? It was like none of that existed. You know what I mean? The way he handled himself, uh, thwarting takedowns and just that, like you mentioned, just the the tactical side of it, like what he was doing. I I was blown away. And I'm with you guys. I think when that happened, and they were talking about John Jones at the time coming up, I was mm-hmm. like, there can't be a bigger fight. I honestly can't think of a bigger fight because John Jones is never put into a situation where he'll be an underdog. 
That was the whole thing. It was like, mm -hmm. if there's an Ollie moment for John Jones, this is it, because now you have a real guy who's standing there that will cast a shadow on you, you mm -hmm. know what I mean? And I, I wanted to see that, you know, at the time, and that's why it is, like, tragic in so many ways uh, that they've not even been able to get a fight for this long, because at that moment in time, I felt like he was possibly one of the biggest, uh, I don't know what his drawing power was yet, but... He was one of the biggest feeling events the UFC could put on. That's right, yes. Because I had a long betting history uh, of counting Stipe out, his ability to come back after a knockout and beat Daniel Cormier twice and, Shock and me own too. that yeah. and just basically show you superhero level of like punch resistance and, and grit and being able to change strategies in the moment, which is what we want out of a true champion. I predicted he would defeat Ngannou in this rematch thinking, okay, He's probably gonna have to go five to do it, or maybe he's gonna have to just dig in and, and knock out the bully. But I'm like, yeah. he can do this. I've seen him do crazy shit. Yet with all that, and got him still minus yeah. one twenty five, the betting favorite, plus one hundred five Miocic, and then obviously it was one way traffic the whole time. Um, I don't even want to skip past this and end this program because I want to go back and remind <laughs> people what that feeling was like. It was awesome. This is man. the most destructive human we've ever seen in this sport. If what happened in that second Stipe fight is really just a a showcase of what he did from that two-loss losing streak, from being the next big thing and failing, from being at odds yeah. with the company, that resolve from being kept out, basically. He had to sit out for a year, twice in a row, to try to get the fights he wanted. That built a resolve to go back in the gym. And we still don't really know everything right. we need to know about this guy at what, age 30, what is he, 30, Three. 33? Yeah. He, he, he might be on the way. Forget greatest heavyweight of all time. He might be on the way to becoming one of the greatest of all time if what we saw in that Stipe fight is what the future of this division is going to look like. I know you love Cyril Gunn in this fight. Mm. I know this fight on paper is a great style matchup. I'm just saying what I saw, the feeling, the spirit that night. Well, I want to see more if it's of it. real, If it's real, yeah. wake, wake working, up, man. bro, because your guy, your guy from, from France there? They're, the both, other guy? they're both from France. The other guy from <laughs> France? He's going he's gonna to be looking up, okay? Wee oui, wee. Oui. Yeah, he might. I mean, Francis's power is you can never take it not seriously. I just feel like um, we're at the same point. For me, I'm at the same point prior to January 20th of 2018 when he fought Stipe, who was significantly more well-rounded. He had a skill right. advantage on him. I don't know that I, I, Cyril might be more well-rounded, but he does have, in terms of striking, a, a skill advantage. And so the question now, or at least perceived, perceived skill advantage. And so now the question becomes, um, can he overcome that? Can he overcome yeah. the kind of challenges that used to bury him? Is it unfair to guess, based on what we saw in the Miocic rematch, and I'm continuing this hype, that's, that Francis may be able to take people down and work in a top game? At a, a, remember Brock Lesnar. For whatever his strengths were overplayed or, or his drug history and all that, if he got top position right. on you was, on the he ground, he's going to fuck you up, right? Frank yeah. Mir, we saw that. Yeah. Is this the future, potentially, for Francis? Could he take Cyril Gone down and just... just I actually, I, I actually think, think that's. I would actually recommend that. Yeah, I for think him. he could. You think he could? I think he could do that. Yes, I could see that scenario. We should do a pregame preview. Yeah, we should. We're really elaborate. We will. We will. <laughs> All right. So let's call that a day here. So two twenty-two twenty-two. This guy who's been putting together one of the most unusual and frankly historic heavyweight runs, he's going to try and and keep it going. We will see what happens. Maybe he becomes the uh, full-on, or no, he retains his full championship, or maybe Cyril does. We will have to see. But for now, that has been the Francis Ngannou resume, resume review. Excuse me. That is Brian Campbell. That is Chuck Mendenhall. I am Luke Thomas. Until next time, enjoy the fight.